just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by uh, Maker's Mark, we think. I don't know. Maybe they're still our sponsor. We're just going to assume they are. <laughs> um, I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. And uh, on this special Father's Day extravaganza of Black and Gold BS, we're joined by our dads. My father, Gary Krasno, and Sean's dad, Papa John Haspel. Everybody want to introduce themselves? Well, you just did. You did it. <laughs> Not much I can add. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can't wait for this. <laughs> this is going to go off the rails so fast. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> All right. Keep telling yourself that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our dads are, of course, of course, uh, joining us from New Orleans. Sean and I are, we have fled the state of Louisiana. We don't want to get run over at Costco, so. Yeah. <laughs> or, or beaten up in the, in the bathroom at a concert right. by LaToya Cantrell. Right. My, son just wants to, right. My son just wants to go out there and uh, die of heat, heat exhaustion, but anyway. <laughs> What are you up to today, Sean? Like 150? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a cool 175 degrees here in the shade, right? In okay. the shade, yeah. Okay. Man, tough life. All right, let's talk about some saint stuff. All right, <laughs> all right. There is there's been a bit of news since uh, our last pod. Um, saints went through mini camp. There's not like a whole lot to talk about there. I mean. What can you really tell from players running around in shorts and shirts? Probably the most uh, the most noteworthy things. Um, Chris Olave seems to look good. He looks the part as our first round pick, or as much as he can without you know a cornerback actually like being physical with him. And uh, Landry looks good. Honey Badger's given a whole bunch of good sound bites. Uh, probably the most uh, disturbing piece of news to come out of camp is Marcus Davin Davenport, Marcus two firsts, our very talented defensive end, had uh, part of his pinky finger amputated. <laughs> it's not funny, but I'm laughing anyway uh, because it got too fucked up and they had to take it off. Too many ligament injuries that got infected, amputated part of his finger. Is anybody worried about this? What are y'all's thoughts? Well, no. no, not really. It didn't affect uh, what's the guy's name from uh, who was Jason the, Pierre uh, Paul? Yeah, Paul. Yeah, he was holding his hand, and it certainly didn't slow him down. So, a little pinky, nah, he just won't be able to pick yeah. his nose. That's right. <laughs> Got nine other fingers for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm not concerned that, that that's not a big deal. Yeah, Jason Pierre Paul's hand literally exploded, was incinerated right, yeah. by a firework. So I think the way right, I see so. it is like if Davenport doesn't have the pinky anymore, it can't get hurt. So probably a net a net gain. Well, so, that one, you know. Yeah. He's got nine out of the Okay. I don't know if he's had real pinky problems in the past, but okay. Apparently he has. Oh, okay. Well, then then it's a plus. <laughs> yeah. He's he's just a guy who seems to never catch a break. Um, I mean, whether it's just like pure bad luck or he's not investing in the right amount of uh, strength and flexibility training or his sleep schedule or his diet or for whatever reason, the guy is like all always has something wrong with him. And it's, and it's unfortunate because when he's healthy, he's like a, he, when he's healthy, he is worthy of the, investment the saints made in getting him um i mean da said um in one of his recent interviews that 
when he was on the field last year, he was the best player in our defense, the most important player in our defense. But uh, the operative expression being when he's yeah, on the field. So, and obviously, like this is Zion. also like yeah, exactly. But I mean, this is also a contract year for Marcus Davenport. So, um, uh, I mean, all parties involved are going to have to um, determine how much he's really worth. And uh, I mean, availability is the best ability. So um, are the saints willing to uh, pay top dollar for him after this season? Like almost certainly knowing that they will probably never get a full 17 plus games out of him. I don't know. Can we like literally afford to take that risk with our cap being the way it is? I think it was the guys on the uh, saints happy hour podcast said that the saints like it's, our cap situation doesn't really prevent us from signing a lot of these guys that we need, but it might make us a little more cautious knowing that we can't gamble on a guy um, who might have that risk involved with him going forward. While some other teams that have uh, a ton of cap space can, can say, you know, w- we'd be willing to maybe overpay this guy a little bit um, knowing that he, he might miss five, six, seven games, a year, but um, we can afford to absorb that into our uh, overall like roster and team construction. But the Saints, you know, um, can we afford to take that risk? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. So it's uh, he's definitely a fascinating player to watch this season. Yeah, well, I don't know if other teams would, would say, "Oh, yeah, we'll take the risk of him missing." I think they would take him, thinking that oh, our luck will be better. He'll play. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Changes yeah, scenes. Let's get lucky. about the Saints. If it weren't for it, no luck, they'd have no luck at all, or something like that. <laughs> as as soon as he gets away from the Oshner doctors, he'll probably uh, <laughs> be a lot healthier. <laughs> Death to us all. <laughs> um, okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. I know Papa John has some <laughs> thoughts about the the Saints medical staff. Um, so the other big piece of news that com- came out last week was that the Saints have resurrected the infamous black helmets, although the new ones are uh, not like the old ones. Uh, I didn't think the they ever had a black one. I didn't realize they, well, they did. The Saints wore black helmets in the 1969 preseason, which incredibly was six games. They played six preseason games yeah, in the, yeah. the late 60s, exactly. which is insane everybody was chain smoking and chewing tobacco on the sidelines probably and like getting fucked up with john meekham at bars in the french quarter but uh yeah they were black and they had they had the inverted triple striping down the middle with a gray face mask i think one of the things that i liked about the original black helmet was that the floor to lee was gold Right. And yeah, I guess I this right. it is on this one too, but um, I don't know. I think I think they should have just tried to make a more faithful representation, like a modernized version of the old black helmet, as opposed to. They don't look anything like the black helmets from the '60s. They're the no, face no. mask is black. The oh, they're cool. The, the picture, they're cool. Oh, I think they're terrible. They're, Jacob hates. He said he vomited. Oh, you know what? You know, <laughs> no, no. I no. think they're nice. No, we'll go around the room. We'll go okay. around the room and we'll talk about them and then I'll 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 you know pile on at the end. Okay. Okay. Well then who's first? Sean, you were saying that you you wish they had kind of done like a modern version of the 69 shells. Yeah, yeah. I I they're definitely the new Saints black helmets definitely are not perfect, but the concept of a black helmet is something that I've wanted the saints to bring back for a really long time. Um, I loved the, the trivia of the 1969 preseason black helmet, um, loved the way that looked and it would have been cool if they just made a more modernized version of that. Um, I do think they were kind of doing a little too much with the stripe with, uh, with the um, mini Fleur de Lis uh, kind of step and repeat inside of it uh it's it's like a little busy for me but um i i'm a fan of them trying something new um and uh, i hope that they can wear it uh, with the all black uniforms which are favorite of mine um for a couple games 
uh, for like a primetime game in the dome. That would be a pretty, pretty cool uh, look top to bottom, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I like them. I think it makes them look badass. You know, my only issue is that they, uh, I read or heard that they're only going to wear maybe one or two games, use them one or two games, which is kind of ridiculous. And I heard Cam Jordan wants to have gold uniforms. Yes. <laughs> he's been wanting that. That's what he says. He's been wanting that for a long time. The I, famous, I the famous gold jerseys from 2002, right? It's the last time we wore those. I don't know. We wore them for one game. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that game because I missed the end because I had to go to my sister's piano recital. Well, that's uh, important. When did she play the piano? It was an it, it, this, is, this is true. It happened. Uh, <laughs> Jacob, you probably were hallucinating, the, the, Jacob. <laughs> I really hope I wasn't hallucinating at 12 well, years old. <laughs> well, Jacob, I but know that, you too well. Anyway, <laughs> that game sucked. We lost on the final play. Dante Culpepper threw a like a, a ten yard touchdown pass with like ten seconds left, and we lost. It was terrible. I remember listening to it on the radio in the parking lot at Loyola as we were like waiting to the last minute to go into this recital. But you know, twelve year old me just wanted to see the cool gold jerseys. We never wore them again. Well, I like the idea of a black helmet. I think there's a lot of floor de leaves on this one. I mean, it's just a ridiculous amount of floor de leaves. You could just sm smear them and make them gold. I mean, it's just kind of absurd. But I think there's a rule that I agree with you, Sean. I would like to see him with the black on black uniforms, but the NFL will not allow that unless that's considered like a color rush. You have to wear these things with a color rush. And I would like to see, I would like to see a matte black helmet with the black uniforms with just the fleur de lis on it. Nothing. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I'm a sucker for that. Like it's definitely a sucker for the matte black. I, I love when college teams um, bust those out. Um, yeah. And I'm surprised like more NFL teams haven't done that. So um, I'm, all, I'm also a sucker for, uh, in, <clears throat> We're getting off the rails here, but uh, Notre Dame's like crazy mirrored gold helmets. Oh, yeah. if, and if the Saints could bring those <laughs> into the fold somehow, that would be pretty cool. And then you shine lasers forget. down and bounce them off and into the eyes of your opponent. Yeah, right. Render them helpless. <laughs> there, there was a, a bowl game. I don't remember if LSU. It was the one that LSU played against Notre Dame, um, but. Notre Dame wore those really shiny gold helmets and uh, a player's helmet collided with someone on the other team and the paint chipped and shattered. And the, the announcer referred to it as a golden shower, which uh, <laughs> surprised that didn't get him fired. Um, um, yeah. I, the, the I, I, there's so many things wrong with these helmets. I mean, I'm, I'm like a uniform fetishist. Like yeah, well. I've always been obsessed with athletic aesthetics and the, they're, they're so like literally everything that could have gone wrong with the black helmets went wrong. They're, they're a shiny gloss finish, which doesn't match like any of our uniforms because the Nike like fabric is matte. It has a flat finish. So like it doesn't even match the black jerseys or pants because they don't have any shiny yoke to them like the old Reebok uniforms did. The face mask is black. It needs to be another color. You need to have contrast. Otherwise, it's just boring. It looks like a mistake. And uh, the fleur-de-lis stripe, it looks like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many horrible things that it looks like. <laughs> it looks like officially licensed napkins that you would buy at like Party City. <laughs> It looks like an officially licensed vinyl tablecloth that you would buy at Party City. <laughs> like <laughs> the gold, you know, like Sean pointed out earlier, the gold in the Fleur de Lis is just like mustard yellow. It's not even gold. It's it's hideous. Jacob, you sound like a woman planning a wedding. My God. If the Saints go 14 and 3, do you really care what they're Helmets look like. Well, if they yeah, lose I, the three games that they wear those helmets, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If we don't play well in those helmets, Saints Twitter uh, is yeah, yeah. an aneurysm. You sound like my you sound, okay, come on. Clothes don't make the the man, okay? Let them go out and just beat each other up, okay? I don't think it makes that much difference. I'm gonna throw up in my mouth if we wear them with the color rush jerseys. Okay, all right, you do that. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the fun stuff here. All right. All right. You're not having fun yet? <laughs> so much fun. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of our experiences over the years. This is a podcast that's supposed to be by the fans, about the fans. So John and, and Dad, Gary, um, you know, talk about like how you became saints fan your your origins as a saints fan origin how your your fandom has evolved over the years uh, i know you both have two different stories because john you're from new orleans and right, my dad yeah. is not well, well you know i i believe you know we became season ticket holders from day one uh unfortunately what the first year they were 67 um, I actually went away to school up in New York for prep school. So I was gone for three years. So I really didn't get an opportunity to, to actually be involved in the very beginning. But I know my father was a, uh, an avid football fan. Uh, my brother uh, was a pretty decent football player at Newman. So, uh, you go know, greenies. Kinda, <laughs> go greenies. So, you know, we all loved loved football so uh, you know i had to uh watch them from afar or listen uh to them from afar so you know uh, being like i said an initial season ticket holder kind of holds a special place you know and then eventually when uh i think my father gave them up those tickets uh and i got married uh, my father-in-law had had tickets, so we took over his tickets. So, you know, we've been going for years and years and years. Dad, when you uh, came back for Tulane, did you, like, used to go to games when you were in undergrad? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I did. And I think at that time they were still playing. Were they still playing yeah. at Tulane Stadium? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think actually when I came back, I mean, and I don't know if we're jumping ahead, but I mean, I re remember obviously a memory that a lot of people remember is being there at the, the, the Detroit game and seeing Dempsey, you know, kick the 63 yard field goal. So, you know, it was, that was pretty special. I mean, you I, were one of the, the approximately 1.5 million people that say they were in the, the seven. <laughs> right. That's what I'm stadium. saying. I mean, it's not, I realize it's not a, you know, but, but, you know, I mean, I guess I'm very fortunate. One of you know, sixty-five thousand who are actually there to see it live, which was kind of cool. And I don't recall. I'm not for certain. What we were only down by what two two points or what was it? I think so. Yeah, it was within a field goal. Yeah, right. Obviously within a field goal, but for some reason or other, either one or two. Right, I have a recollection of, of, of a lot of people leaving the, leaving the stadium, which I don't quite understand why people would leave the stadium when you're only down by two points, yeah. but, you know, hearing, hearing the roar and so forth like that. So, yeah, no, it was pretty special. That's cool. Wonderful. <laughs> what about you, Gary? You're a transplant, so how did you... Uh, I am a transplant. Well, yeah. when I moved here, I was still an Eagles fan. But, um, you know, wherever you were living, that's the team you get. When they're on the road, you get the, get the game. So you watch the Saints. And, of course, at the time, they never sold out. So you never got the home games. So you just got the away games. But after, like, eh, was a couple of years, I mean, nobody could lose games like the Saints could lose games. They were just infectious. The leads they would blow. I mean, they had, like, a great offense. They could score with anybody, but the defense was miserable. And they would just give up gobs of yards and, and points at inopportune moments. And it's, you know, then and the city was all into the Saints. So it was really hard not to become a fan of the Saints. You know, I was here and uh, 
I'd watch them and you just, you know, lovable losers. You know, that's what they oh, were. And, and related, saying the second question about what was the first Saints memory, I was not in Tulane Stadium. I was one of the few Americans that was not in Tulane Stadium when he kicked that field goal. But I was watching, I guess it was an Eagles game or some game on, I guess probably was CBS that day, and the game ended. And they cut to the Saints game because Dempsey was going to kick that field goal. You know, he was going to attempt a 63-yarder. <laughs> and right. I saw it live on TV. Right. Let's right. go. I, yeah. I didn't know it was carried live. That was my like, first, that yeah. was my first well, memory but, of the Saints. Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 really cool. Yeah. I mean, you, hear, you hear stories of, uh, I'm trying to think, who is the uh, Detroit Lion? Uh, Alex Karras. They're, you know, hearing stories about the, the – the uh line sitting there kind of laughing like you got to be kidding me you know <laughs> it's like they, they yeah. didn't believe that this was you know was it going to be a fake or you know what but yeah no it was yeah true story sean and i were ingrained in the culture from basically from birth although i i resisted uh being you a did. football fan for for a long time but like what what do y'all remember about sean and i as kids watching games, were we good fans? What, what were we like? You want to go first, Sean? Sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Sean, you know, Sean always loved, well, I guess Sean loved sports to some degree uh, as he got older and started playing football. And he obviously, watching the games with Sean was kind of interesting because he knew a lot more about football than I, than I did. And there were things that he could point to and, we would obviously sometimes have some heated dis discussions that I would think that this, that, and the other, and he would kind of set, try to set me straight and explain to me certain things. So uh, from a perspective of that, I mean, I, I learned a good amount watching football, you know, with Sean. I mean, I played football in seventh and eighth grade, but you know, Sean, Sean was big time. He was, you know, varsity. <laughs> yeah right okay um, well he's yeah. varsity uh yeah, but varsity anyway, bench sean, warmer but, no yeah. i mean uh, i know you know sean you know sean bled or still does bleed um you know black and gold and and, and burnt mm -hmm. orange so yeah. um you know anything saints that you know one of my him. one of my earliest uh saints memories is us sitting in the uh the front room uh, the den at the house in Sherilyn. Um, and we'd, we'd have to, we'd have to listen to the games on the radio because they were blacked out. Um, and you remember that like old stereo system that you had uh, yeah. with like the big knobs and everything. And there was a, a record turntable on top. Um, yeah. That, that would be on WWL and uh, we'd just be sit around and be really mad because the saints were almost certainly losing in the, in the well, that, late nineties. Do they still black out? Is it still a rule blacking out games that aren't sold out, or is that changed? I don't know. I don't know. I think the NFL lifted the blackout like rule like a few years ago nationwide, um, just because it doesn't serve anybody. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was definitely the reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I used. To, they make so much money anyway. Right. Yeah, no, I used to love going to the to the games uh, you know they obviously they're at times were very very frustrating because i became a very heated uh saints fan and i took it really hard just as my son does that that i learned that you know after a, a bad loss you really you don't want to talk to him i learned it from you dad <laughs> <laughs> well thank you son i guess yeah, I, yeah, I think we're all like someone yeah for sure. What about you, Gary? What, well, like Jacob said, he wasn't like uh, born a Saints fan. Yeah. He had to grow into it. And I, you know, um, I guess one of my earliest memories of us watching the game was uh, not really a good one. <laughs> um, we were watching the, the door. No, those yeah, are the. That could be, that could be are... just a car. That's just a car. Those were the chimes. <laughs> those were the chimes taking you back in time as you uh, yeah, yeah. speak about. It was the year. Days. I don't remember what year it was. Jacob will probably know this. But 
I think it was Haslett was the coach. We had to win one game in the last three games we had. That's 2002. 2002. 2002. Okay, 2002. We all three games were against teams with losing records. And of course, and and what was Aaron Brooks was the quarterback. We had Jake Delhomme on the bench. Brooks was hurt. Haslett wouldn't play Delhomme. Of course, we lose the first game. Was this just to have a winning season, Gary, or was this? No, just to make the playoffs. This is to make the playoffs. And then he lost the second game. We're going the third game. I think it was against Cleveland. We were on the road. Cleveland was terrible, and we're struggling. We can't score any points, and we, you know, we end up losing the game. And and being a like a lifelong sports fan, I have seen collapses like this, so I could kind of see this thing coming from a week or so before that. You know, it just wasn't going well. The team mentally, it just wasn't going well. And so I wasn't, you know, I was pissed that they lost, but I wasn't surprised by it. Jacob was devastated. I mean, he just sat in that chair. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I, you know, I said, that's, that's sports, man. It happened, you know, yeah. well, you know, I can see it coming. And, and that was one of the first memories of us watching the games together was unfortunately that. Yeah, uh, you know, I know the Saints are notorious, and I used to always tell us to Sean, you know, if, for example, you know, a team is coming in to us winless, you know, who's who's going to give them their first victory? Or if, you know, there's some reason or other, there was always something that, that uh, if a team needed a victory, it was always, you know, the Saints yes. would always the slump would, would relinquish it. We were the first team to lose to Tampa Bay. That's yeah, right. first team, first team ever to lose, ever to, lose to Tampa Bay. And, yeah. You know, and I don't know if you remember the days when, you know, uh, season tickets, you, you'd go out and you'd be trying to sell your tickets and you'd put uh, two tickets on your windshield and you'd come back and there'd be six yeah. on the windshield. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was just, you know, and, you know, mm-hmm. you kids probably don't, you all don't really remember that. The, well, I didn't have season the tickets the until. Days, huh? What's that? You I don't. Know, I didn't have season tickets days. until after Katrina. Yeah, yeah, no. That was our first year. Yeah, two thousand six. So I mean, it's it's definitely a uh, has been a roller coaster ride with this team. You know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of highs, but certainly a share of uh, lows yeah. and frustrations. I, I do, Dad. I do remember um, the. I have like like kind of foggy memories, but uh, leaving the Superdome with you after. <laughs> The uh, t- um, like in 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 happiness uh, in 2000, uh, 2001, uh, leaving the um, uh, the Superdome after the uh, the Rams, uh, Hakeem drops the ball game. So uh, the first oh, right. first playoff win, yeah. yeah, yeah, you took me to that, and um, yeah, that, I mean, I guess I would have been ten years old. So uh, that was yeah. Pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty I awesome. forgot. How did you? Because we only hit. Did we only have three? Tickets? We only had two, Hillary- No, we only had two tickets. Um, and oh, we only had two. Yeah, it was you and mom that would go to the games uh, okay. regularly, but for whatever reason, so you, had fight, uh, you had to fight. Yeah, for the for that ticket. For whatever, yeah, for whatever reason, um, yeah, that was a game where uh, you guys let me go, and it was obviously awesome. And another like childhood, like very distinct memory I have was. Monday night football game. Um, the two of you guys win. I stayed home and watched on like that little, like, do you remember the really old, like, uh, rabbit ear TV that you guys put in this my is on bedroom? Sherilyn? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This would have been like 2000. Um, and okay. it was the, it was the, the Kyle Turley helmet toss game. Um, right. Against the Jets. Wasn't he? Uh, yes. Wasn't it against, against the Jets. The Jets? Yeah. 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 His former yeah. team, wasn't it? Right. I, well, I was. No, no. I, we we drafted Turley. Yeah, he he went oh, we to the, okay. or he went to he, went, he left, went to the Rams later. Played for the but, Rams after us. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean that game was a boondoggle, and we lost, and like you guys came home all mad, and I wasn't supposed to stay up um, to watch <laughs> that game, but I like did, and it was like a whole thing. So yeah, um, no, yeah. you no, know, I, I today I still take you know take them pretty. Uh, um, and I can't wait for football season, but I still take the the losses uh, uh, pretty hard, and, and you know yeah. celebrate the wins. So, yeah, yeah. true sports fan, I guess. <laughs> if I may clean up my dad's answer a little bit, 
I I think what? the earliest. Oh God, <laughs> the the earliest game. I have a very very vague memory of going and sitting in the. I'm sure our listeners will know who this is. Dot Roth's seats. Sure. Yeah, they um, were right in front of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. I went to a Dome Patrol game, like when I was really, really. Wow. Young. One of the later era Dome Patrol games, probably in '93 or '94. So I was like four or five, something like that. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really like a. I didn't really follow the team until we. Who'd you go Williams. with? Who'd you go with? Did I take Pro- you that game? Probably yeah. you. I don't know if you trusted Dot Roth with a, a, <laughs> a toddler, uh, basically. But uh, yeah, it wasn't until like Ricky Williams came around that I like actually started to care. And I think the 2000 was the coincidentally the first year that I actually like watched every game. I know I went, Dad, you didn't take me to this, but I went to the Raiders game in 2000 that Jeff Blake uh, broke his foot during the the broken foot that changed the course of the franchise for the next five years, potentially <clears throat> doomed the team. Well, Aaron yeah. Brooks was not what we thought he was. Um, yeah, although I do think, around, really. I do think Aaron Brooks gets an unfair rap. Oh, he was no Aaron <laughs> Brooks, as far as I'm concerned, just his, his demeanor, his attitude, it was, it was kind of a joke. It's like he'd end up. And again, I don't know whether it's just his, his personality or not, but it used to always aggravate me. You hated that. Aaron Brooks, Aaron Brooks would throw an interception or something like that. And he'd have a smile on his face. It's almost like, I think the fans cared more about um, the losses than Aaron Brooks. It was, and and I have a joke with my friend, Randy, who's, who I say, Aaron's fine because he says, you know what? Doesn't make any difference. I'm still getting paid. It doesn't make any difference. You know, he, he made his contract, but no, Aaron Brooks, just his demeanor was just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was not, a, I was not, an Aaron you, you never, you really never liked Aaron Brooks, but statistically no. he's the second greatest quarterback in Saints history. So no, um, yeah. I'm statistically over, it's true. over, over a bear. Yes. I thought you were going to say over Archie. Yeah. yeah that's what I would have said over Archie. They're both true. Um, both of really. Uh, I mean, all respect to the the goat Archie Manning, but um, yeah, his stats. I mean, well, not not in any. Did we like, ever have a winning season under Aaron Brooks? We won yeah. a playoff game. The playoff game. The the Rams playoff okay, game. Playoff, yeah. The Rams. That was Brooks. Okay. No. Yeah. Aaron Brooks yeah, did no, four still, touchdowns in that game. Yeah, he he had some yeah, moments. Underrated moments for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't I think I did not know that, son. This doesn't. We don't. We don't talk about this anymore because of Breeze and all the amazing things that have happened since. But <clears throat> Brooks was hurt in that 2002 season down the stretch. He had gotten injured in the, oh, that's Tampa, what I said. Bay, the Tampa Bay game, yeah. and yeah, and and Hazlitt refused to bench him, and that was right. one of the reasons why we we tanked. Um, but yeah. Oh well, so it goes. Um, speaking of of. Brooks and players that draw draw your ire. Do we have? Do you all have like a a favorite Saints player, or more interestingly, a least favorite Saints player? We already talked about Brooks, so you know if you're going to go down here, you know, there's such a cadre. I don't. I mean, there's one player that I know is somewhat underrated, but for some reason or other, he sticks out in my mind and, and kind of symbolizes the team uh, being relatively gritty is Danny Abramowitz for some reason or other. You know, I mean, I know that's, that's a good answer. That was a little before my he, time, but yeah, he was. You know, he was basically, what, a 17th round draft choice or 14th or something like that and ended up being a very productive player, you know, and just um, undersized and just really gritty, you know. Um, you know, I don't, I, you know, obviously you never make the hall of fame, even probably didn't even make the saints hall of fame. I don't know, but there's just something about Danny Abramowitz that just kind of stuck out in my mind. Cool. How about a player you didn't like besides Aaron Brooks? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, 
I think Sean would probably tell me uh, who is some of these defensive backs that I thought were just so overrated. Jason David, you hated Jason David. Oh, uh, yeah. Jason David. Yes. David. Oh, I thought there was another. I thought there was another defensive back that. Uh, there have been a few, but I, I remember 2007. You just hated Jason David for the passion. Oh, I mean, you that that you weren't the only one, but um, yeah, that was uh. Big mistake signing by the Saints, thinking he would like fix the oh, secondary coming off of 2006. Right. So, right. did he only play for us for a year or two? How long did he play? Yeah, he he'd come off the Colts uh, Super Bowl. What didn't he? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, wondering yeah. with the Colts, but you know, he was you like sit a, there and you wonder. Yeah, these players that that, that uh, excel on other teams when they you know, is it just obviously a, the system has to work for that particular player. Right. You know, I mean, it's exactly. not. It's not. It's not like all of a sudden their talent just goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of it I mean, is, is the system. Jason. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Jason David was his own corner. He's like five nine, and we asked him to play like, press man, and like, right. He just got beat off the line every time. So, um, but having said that, having said thinking. that, Sean, yeah. when when they draft these players and when they trade for them, don't they realize this? I mean, that you're asking this player to kind of play a different type of position in a different coverage. Shouldn't they be smart enough to realize that there's gonna, there could be a real issue? Yeah, they should be. Um, but like, it's like a fatal flaw of like a lot of uh, coaches and like front office people that they think they know better and that they can be like, okay, my scheme is like perfect, and this player like we can like change him and to fit our scheme, and it's. Like even even good players and coaches are um, coaches and, and front office folks um, fall into that like trap sometimes, and like the result is like a Jason David type scenario. So um, yeah, it's uh, the the best the best football folks are the ones who like rec like recognize their team needs and their scheme and acquire players to fit those needs um and not trying to just chase flashy names and plug like round pegs into square holes so um yeah jason david and a classic saints miss and that would you say that that's harder to do on defense a defensive player to switch its schemes than, than an offensive player that might so it's definitely yeah that's a harder position on defense than it is yeah, there's there's probably some truth some some truth to that, you know. I mean, like receivers. I mean, the the route tree is is what it is, and certain certain receivers obviously right. have like like various strengths and weaknesses. But um, uh, yeah, I'd say like defense is a little more like scheme specific than than offense uh, when it comes to like roster building. I'd say, Dad, who do you love to hate? Oh, we're going with the haters first or the favorites first? Which one? I think it's more. I think the the hate is more fun. The hate. I'm not a hater, but I tried to dig up this. Oh I think I've God. got this. I think I've got this right. It was a defensive lineman who was a piece of shit. I think it was Junior Galette. Well, was he the oh, one yeah, that got man. in trouble on the beach? Right. And all. he was a piece of garbage. He was bad in the locker room. They needed to get rid of him, and they got rid of him. He yeah he had no business being on this team. He was garbage, all the but way. Didn't he? Garbage. Didn't he? When, when he traded, where did he go? When he left here, he went to the Redskins. But he tore each of his or what? He he tore each of his Achilles in back to back training camps up there. So he never really like did anything. He didn't play left the Saints. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, and like till this day, he's like on Twitter like tweeting at like saints front office people trying to get him to sign back here. It's like really weird. Um, but uh, well, he's 40 years old. Huh? I, I mean, I don't know if he officially retired, but yeah, he's definitely washed out. Um, but yeah, I mean, junior garbage. Junior Gallette's a definitely a classic yeah. case of uh, yeah, he was a he was a disruptor. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, he was he was great on the like 2012 2013 teams and they rewarded him with that big contract of 2013 um but then he kind of became the symbol for the uh the collapse basically of that saints locker room and that led to the 
um, three straight seven and nine seasons uh, from 2014 to 2016 uh, that like led Drew Brees to yep. almost contemplate retirement at the time. Oh, really? Like, I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. Um, well, no, I mean, also part of that was because of uh, uh, Peyton was out for a year too, wasn't he? Was Peyton so this was this now? was actually after that. That Bounty Gate was 2012. So, um, okay, right, okay. But th- this was yeah. when this they had that great season in 2013, and they simultaneously decided to let I think it was Will Smith, Malcolm Jenkins, John Vilma, and Jabari Greer, and maybe a few other like bona fide team leaders go all in the same off season, and they basically let. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoop. Will, Will Smith. Smith. Will Smith didn't go. I mean, I think he, he retired. He died. Will well, no, he he, re- he retired before he was shot. <laughs> he had re- he had been retired for a couple years before he was killed. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, and then they uh, then like the new crop of leadership was guys like Junior Gallette, Akeem Hicks, and um, some other guys who just were did not have the right mental character makeup to like elevate the team beyond like Drew Brees. But isn't that um, kind of interesting that they would have brought this in because you didn't have a change in coaches. You didn't have a change in the office. So there was no reason for it. Uh, This is like, it's kind of, you know, you would think something like that, you know, might happen because of a change in coaching or change in front office and none of that. Well, they learn from that because that's not what they do anymore. They make mm-hmm. sure that it's a fit in the locker room because they know exactly. that's more important yeah. than the talent. Really, is you yeah. got to have the fit in the locker room for sure. Yeah, no, Breeze yeah, and think, yeah, Breeze, Peyton, and Loomis, like they, they all have been on the record in 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 the years since then, saying like how much of a mistake mistakes were made um, internally um, that led to those that those kind of lost seasons. And it's a shame because those were Drew Brees' last really like prime offensive years yeah. and it like the defense went to shit then too. So, um, you know, and not to, you yeah, know, not to no, don't track, forget Steve Spagnola, the coach of shit. Well, he was the worst. He was the worst. He was the worst. Coach that, that, um, attitude or that, um, what's word I'm looking for, uh, translates over to the Pelicans right now that I think that they are really looking for locker room, you know, yeah, and I think it, it seems to have worked for sure. Yeah, no, I think I, I basketball mean, really high, you only got 15 guys, high character guys, high yeah. character individuals. Yeah. yeah, culture matters a ton. Um, I mean, and that's one of the things that, uh, like kind of tying it all back to what we know, like normally talk about in this podcast, like the so much of the nat the national media thinks that the saints should it's like, oh, Sean Payton's gone and like Drew Brees is gone, like the saints should just like blow it up and tank but it's like no the saints actually have like a really strong locker room right now with with like talented players on top of that um they should keep went trying to win like trying to win games is fun and uh it keeps everyone internally focused keeps the fan base engaged like i it's not fun as a fan to root for a team that is like trying to like build in some weird tank yes essentially like for some like long tail (laughs) plan that some like harvard like mbas like cooked up that like oh well you know we'll increase our like uh chances of landing a franchise quarterback by 17 percent if we lose like at least 10 games this year and like one day down the road we like will be a good team like no that sucks like get good players who are good dudes and try to win games it's like really not hard i mean it is hard but if you speaking, have that, of ta- do it. speaking of tanking, whatever happened with that, that uh, accusation at Miami? The Dolphins? Uh-huh. Um, I think it's like still yeah. under investigation, but uh, I, I, I don't know if anything's going to come of it. And it's funny you, you brought up the Dolphins because there was that report in the last couple of weeks that um, they wanted to give Sean Payton a $100 million contract. Oh, and oh, really? Yeah, they were gonna get. They they, they, yeah, their plan was to. It was like an insane plan. Uh, basically, they would have compensated us for Sean Payton's rights and given him a hundred million dollar contract, making him the richest coach of all time. Um, then, like a twenty million dollar a year coach, just insane money. Um, and then they would have had like Brady would have retired, like he did, 
and then been a uh, an owner for the the Dolphins. But then at some point, he would have decided that he wanted to come back to play. And I don't think I don't even know if this is like within NFL well, I had rules. Heard Brady, I, I but, had heard the scoop that Brady was going to Miami. Right, right, yeah. These um, like various. I think Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk was saying like this was happening, and he would have been the quarterback there under Sean Payton. Um, they would have had to compensate the Bucks as well. Um, and this was like going to happen until Brian Flores launched his allegations of like the tampering and the racial discrimination and everything that you just mentioned. And that like blew it all up because um, they would have basically been violating the Rooney rule and like a bunch of other like tamper anti-tampering rules and stuff to make this plan happen. And so if you've got Brian Flores alleging all of these things against the dolphins and like, they obviously couldn't do this like crazy plan that would have essentially proven those things. Right. So um, yeah, the NFL is a messy, messy business. And uh, like Jacob and I have said, it's kind of like one of the tentpole tenets of this podcast is that like, we don't like the NFL. We like generally root for chaos. Like we're Saints fans. Like we want the Saints to succeed, but every, all the 31 other teams, the league as a whole can like just descend into chaos and we'll be laughing all the way. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that's why we're I'm, Saints I'm rooting for, for, I've been saying that for years. Every Hate NFL team, I, I would love to see you know staff infection breakouts in the in the medical training facilities. Like I want it all to burn down. I want every team <laughs> to be fucked by the refs. Like, like well, like like, I, like the refs. I, I'm rooting for for chaos. Um, yes. And speaking of that, I, if I'm going to throw a name into the ring of bringing it back to our questions of uh, players <laughs> that I hate the most, I, I don't even remember this guy's name, but. Um, who was the tight end in the uh, 2018 championship? Watson. No, not no, Watson. Don't no. Watson. No, you're, you're oh, wrong. Wasn't he was the one that fumbled? No, no. No, that no, was that Jared was, Cook. That was Jared Cook. No, Jared, Jared Cook. Cook. Jared Cook, yeah. The so, guy who dropped the touchdown pass yeah. in, in the in the national or the NFC championship game that like would have basically won the game. Um he ended up playing for the Cardinals. Um yeah. God, what was that guy's name? He's so insignificant and stupid that like I can't even I can't even remember his name. But he, uh, you know, we 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 all like to give uh, the what refs year was shit. This was the, 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 the no call, call game. before the no call, no call earlier in the game. It would have put us up by like seventeen or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. He dropped a touchdown pass that was like thrown perfectly. Uh, yeah, yeah was right through his hands. Oh my god. Well, Terrence, somebody or some—I can't remember who it was. Was he only with the? With, was he only with us for a year? No, he was kind no. of one of those uh, like practice squad Sean Payton projects. I think he was like a receiver for a couple of years, and they moved him to tight end. Yeah, not Garrett Griffin. It was like the other mm-hmm. guy. It was the like, other white guy. Uh, oh, he, he was white. He was white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't remember his name. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. You forgot that happened. Yeah, everybody forgets it happened because of the no call, but that was one of the things that, like, didn't go our way that, you know, put us in that situation at the end of the game. Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. Fuck you, Dan Arnold. (laughs) Dan Arnold, okay. Um, Good pull, son. So... We're gonna exclude the no call game from this next question because it's no, you can't. You yes, can't. Can. That's the answer to the question. <laughs> you can't. It's of course it's the worst moment for every Saints fan. But is there anything in your your well, many the Minnesota many decades? that was pretty bad. Minnesota, the Minnesota was pretty bad too. Which Minnesota, Minnesota game? miracle? That one, okay. Because the remember, Minnesota there's two. Miracle. There's two Minnesota playoff I know. games that we played. Yeah, no, the one yeah. that would have put First us into one. the champ. The one that would have put us into the championship in Minnesota. I think the Minnesota miracle where um, all he had. To, <laughs> I don't remember who was the defensive back there, Sean, on that one. Marcus Williams. It was a rookie, right? It was a rookie, right? It was a rookie year. All he, yep. all I had to do is it was the last play. There's, there's no way that there was going to be another play. All he had to do is stand back there and make sure 
but the guy did not get past him after he caught the ball and tackled him in in bounds. Yes, we. But, I think we recall the details. Huh? <laughs> we that? recall that. Yes, we 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 remember how it went yeah, down. Right, right, right. Oh, well, I'll I mean, never know. forget it. But yeah. Well, okay, so that and the Nolan no call, you know. But yeah. uh, but having said that, in in all fairness, <laughs> the Nolan no call, while it was a shitty call. <laughs> it, it was not necessarily on our doing. The Minnesota was our fault. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good yeah. point. You know, I yeah, mean, the, the, there are different the levels no of call. frustration. Yeah, right. The Nolan no call. I mean, you you can't blame the Saints for that. The Minnesota right. one. You certainly they you know they share the responsibility for that play to have happened. Right. And we were behind in that game and made a real good comeback and took control of that game. It's all we got. That? that Minnesota game, we were behind. We were behind in that game. Marcus had Williams a had a had an interception that helped yeah. help us get back in the game. Yeah, so. it was a great comeback and yeah. just just a fluke. Well, you know the old saying, "What have you done for me lately?" Yeah, <laughs> the last well, thing was he's on the Ravens now. So um, yeah, he can, he can go miss some tackles in the AFC North. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, we also didn't get a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback on that play either. I mean, there's a lot of blame you can. Dad, is there any right. any particular game day experience for you that uh, sticks out as being really miserable? <laughs> well, um, obviously the the no call. Well, we can't count that. As far as on the field. That's about as bad as it gets. Um, there were some disappointing games. I think the, the game uh, was a year after we won the Super Bowl. Our first game at home was the Falcons, and we lost. That wasn't that didn't feel good. But I had two experiences that were off the field that were not pleasant. Um, since John's on the call, I won't use his. <laughs> yeah. There was another one. There was another one that happened before me. that. I'm man enough. Go on. You can. You can we? Can, can we tell the the infamous story? The really infamous one. The one that's well. The first one gets. You know, I mean, you don't have a bad memory, so I'm not going to remember all the details. But yeah, I did not go to the game with the Haspels. That was, a, I think, it was a preseason game. I don't know who. No, went no. There. Let's let's set the that stage here. In in 2011, I was working as a, a sports producer at Channel Four. That's and the animal That meant that like I could go to most of the noon games and but some at some point in the second half usually at the end of the third quarter i would have to take our car or your car um and drive to the channel 4 studio on in burgundy um which meant that you had to get a ride home from someone else and usually that was the haspel van so that wasn't that, usual that wasn't usual that was that particular game Okay. Usually so, there was other arrangements. So you needed a ride home from a game. This is, I believe, this was in 2011. Yeah. I don't remember the year, but yeah, they offered me a ride home, and I accepted. <laughs> Regrettably, <laughs> <of> I <my> regret that <laughs> I accepted. And uh, so you know, it was a typical game day exit. Lots of traffic coming out of that parking garage. We used Judy's. Parking pass, I believe. Right. Judy Parking is Sean's exit. aunt. Yes. So we exit, and there's a lot of traffic, and we get towards Howard, <laughs> and it's real bad. And Amy is being Amy. She's always Amy. Amy nice. is Sean's mom. Yes, right. And she's being very calm. And John, John, and John just says, Amy, shut the fuck up. I Oh my God. And then we get to Howard Avenue and John, he, you know, he couldn't quite, you couldn't quite get across Howard because the traffic was so bad on the other side. So you got stuck kind of in Howard. There was no There was a little room, the guy in front of you and you were honking at him for him to move up a little bit. And, I, and, just, and it's just, you know, and he ignored you or didn't hear you or whatever. And he just kept honking and honking and honking. Finally, he got the message. But he didn't move up. 
he moved back. And John went ballistic. And I, he was going to get out of the car and said, holy shit, he's going to get us into a fight. We're going to get killed. And at that point, I just thought to myself, never again. I'll, I'll walk home. Oh, I'll get out of the That was the one time. But there was another time. There was another incident with Dot Roth. You know this one, Jacob? Uh, I vaguely remember. Um, I, we've mentioned Dot Roth earlier, but I should That's right. She was, our, she was our, our next Five listeners, she was a family friend who had tickets. Well, she was our next door neighbor yeah. on Vincennes, yeah. And, and she had tickets from day one. Her husband had died while we were living there, unfortunately. So she kept the tickets and would invite different people to go with her. Usually, she would invite me to like a preseason game. I didn't get the good games. I got a preseason game. So I went <laughs> with her one time. And uh, we're coming. Game's over. We're in the parking garage. There's a lot of traffic. It's all backed up. And we're coming down a ramp, and she's, you know, she's in line. And then there's this guy. He gets in front of her. Not in a car. This is just a guy. He's acting all drunk, and he's, he's, you know, dancing around right in front of Dot's car. And Dot says, she honks the horn at him a couple of times, says, will you please get out of the way? You're blocking me. Will you please get out of the way? And I kind of figured out what the guy was doing. He was, he was kind of distracting Dot and delaying things so his guy, you know, the car he was in, could come down the ramp and get in front of us and get out because he wasn't going anywhere otherwise. And he's jumping around and acting all drunk and shit. And Dot says, if you don't get out of the way, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> she hit him with the car. She fucking hit him with so the car. Get, and the guy's like, Gary, I wasn't that bad. I didn't hit anybody. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, my God. You know, I'm thinking, my God, what, what the hell is going on here? And she, you know, the guy, he dusted himself up, off, you know. He was he was okay. She, He just kind of. She just kind of budged him a little bit. By that time, his buddy had come down. He jumped in the car, and they, they got in line, and they got out of there. But I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? 75-year-old <laughs> woman hits some guy with a car, you know, and I'm sitting here, you know, because she's not going to get in a fight. Christ. Well, I don't know. Not doing that again. You never don't mess. No, no more Dot Roth. Don't mess with Dot Roth. The, the, the wife of the late Hyman Roth, the infamous gangster from – Godfather. No, that wasn't her husband. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> well, there really is no greater fan base in the NFL than than the Houdat Nation. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, you know, all these stories are told with love. You know, we oh, <laughs> we love you. We love the Haskells. I, we love the Roths. It's, but I I feel I, I would be remiss if I didn't briefly mention the one time during Mardi Gras. Uh, it was like the I think it was probably like Saturday or something, Mardi Gras 2007. The Krasnos and the Haspels were, you know, partying together on the avenue. And I guess, Sean, you weren't there. You had left. This was probably before I was at Newman. But it started to, like, rain really hard. And we had to sprint down Marengo uh, to the Haspel van. Um, and, like, we were all drenched. And we get to the car. And someone had rear-ended the van, and it was like all dented, and the back door was messed up. John, you got really mad, understandably so. And you kind of like looked at the the house you were parked in front of, and you shook your fist and went, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't, remember I don't that. think I was there. Was I there? No, I think it was no. just the girls. And no, I never liked Mardi Gras, so you understand. That. I know. You, and I you, never you, went on the first weekend, so it pro I probably that's probably what it was. I wasn't. I wasn't there for that. And you know, we've we've all had our moments of. I, I know I've had mine where I've like yelled and screamed and said unforgivable things really? after Saints games, um, one of which was mentioned on the previous podcast that I won't repeat it in front of our parents because it was really bad. Go on. No, but, come on. You let the cat out of the bag, Jake. Yeah, You'll have yeah. to tune in to the last episode. Yeah, everybody should tune into the last one, but long story short, I told the Falcons I, I, anyway, fan, okay. I hope they burn down oh. in their meth lab. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I did. Fun times. I, I did hear it. I did hear it. Okay. That was that was one of my least favorite. I've had many bad game day experiences, but watching a game yeah. in Atlanta in the Georgia Dome was particularly miserable. I would never. That sounds horrible to me. Yeah. 
Well, do the dads, you know, I really want to, now that we're getting into the really fun stuff, I want to know if you all have any, like, any, just anything you want to go on a rant about, about the Saints, anything that is chapping your ass or grinds your gears, any uh, conspiracy theories you've had. John, I know you, you don't really like our medical staff. Uh, that's always a fun uh, <laughs> rant I like hearing about. So the, the floor is yours. Well, you can say you whatever know, you want. With respect to the medical staff, and I think to some degree, I think we had this discussion, and you might have agreed with me. I just think that it's kind of uh, comical that uh, uh, situation with Michael Thomas. I, you know, I don't know. He didn't get his he didn't get his surgery done right away. Um, and just the whole situation there, the situation with uh, Zion, uh, that, you know, he didn't have his surgery right away. Uh, a perfect example right now, too, is what? Brandon Ingram. They knew he needed surgery after the season. What do they do? They waited two months for that. Why, why wouldn't they have gotten surgery, you know, as soon as possible? Because he was trying to smirk for Huh? He was playing. Uh, no, Ingram was playing. No, this was after the. This was after the season. I'm talking about after the playoffs. Well, after the, only, after our season ended. It's only been after like a our month. Our season ended. He'll huh? be ready. He'll be ready. He's not going to miss. Yeah. He'll be ready. He'll be ready. Look, the Pelicans and the Saints have, diff, they've had for the last few years different medical teams, and I've read recently. You know, we got rid of the strength and conditioning guy for the Saints, and they got in a guy now who. Is doing things a lot differently. It's fine-tuning how these guys work out based on their position and their bodies and all this to try to reduce. They're not emphasizing just weights anymore. That's, that doesn't cut. Right. You need more than just lifting heavy objects. Right. And because they've had so many injuries to see if they can, you know, train them differently so that they don't get injured so much. So many soft tissue injuries. That's what's that's what's killing right. I mean, it's not, you know, there's, there's no difference. It's not the, the, the difference in the turf. I mean, there's obviously you have to examine, you know, why the Saints and the Pelicans themselves are, are prone to so many injuries. Now, there's a lot of injuries all over. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's, you know, last few years, it seems like uh, a lot of teams have a lot of injuries. This year in the NBA, there are injuries all over. The, I, I don't know how much it has to do with guys just don't want to, uh, play with any pain or there's something, you know, they're not training properly. I don't know. Well, I mean, I understand you know, the, a guy they, doesn't want to, you know, know aggravate it. And, and, and they didn't get worse. hurt. I, yeah. So not like they did I think today. we can blame the Saints injury problems on the fact that uh, the Superdome was built on a Native American burial ground. I'm sure. Today. No, no, no. Isn't that from, uh, what, what's, what's that book? Uh, true. Uh, Michael Orr story, uh, Blindside, when she was telling him about uh, Tennessee, that the field is uh, bare, that there's bodies buried underneath uh, the field of Tennessee. Come on, Sean, you know, what are you looking at me like I'm nuts? No, <laughs> I'm not. I believe you. That's, that's a crazy story. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to dissuade, uh, she's trying to dissuade uh, him from going to Tennessee. And he said, well, yeah, the, the FBI has a lab of, uh, that their bodies are buried underneath. Uh, Neyland Field or something like that. Yeah. So it kind of it freaks him out anyway. Yeah. Hey, I'm all for slandering other SEC teams. Um, they've, <laughs> they've all got bodies under their fields. You know, their yeah, well, plastic yeah. in the helmets is made out of dead horses, ground up horses and pets. Whatever, whatever we can pile onto them, I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> um, Sean, anything you want to ask? Um. Well, I don't know. In, in in the spirit of family and Father's Day, like how would you guys just kind of generally say that Saints have kind of brought us together as as individual families, families together, but then you know, as a community as a whole. Fuck off, man. What the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, there's your answer. Thank you. Well, Happy yes. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Well, actually, I'll comment on that. Please. As far as bringing the families together, it had nothing to do with the Saints. It's true. You two guys, you became best friends from JCC. JCC, yeah, right. And that's, you know, 
as long as you guys were getting together all the time, then we were getting together. Right. No, but as far as the oh, Saints, that, I mean, that I believe a, it, you know, I mean, it, it was something that, you know, that we enjoyed doing on Sunday as a family, either watching it, you know, um, at home or, you know, one of y'all going to the games or something like that. So, I mean, it was, um, you know, some connection there. Yeah. Beautifully <laughs> said, guys. Really <laughs> poetic stuff. Can you see it? Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, John just flicked yeah. off the uh, yeah I saw the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh uh, man. No. Yeah. All right, we should we should probably wrap this up. Epic uh, podcast. I'm getting hungry and I have to urinate. It's epic podcast. Thank you, Sean. Uh, thank yeah. you, Jacob, for sharing. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this one ever going to make it or going to be on the cutting room floor? It, it oh was. no! All the bad stuff's getting put in there. <laughs> That's what people come to see. Yes. You mean the three or four people? Yeah. They're they're really passionate though. We joke about having like five listeners, but we actually have a lot more than that. Well, I want to we have what, like what, seven. Whatever happened, what happened? <laughs> what happened to Hornitos? I don't know. They huh? went away. Somebody answer that damn phone. <laughs> okay, hold on one second. <laughs> Yellow. <laughs> Hello. No, no, what's up? <laughs> sure, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be available in about ten minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye. I just figured you'd just cut that. So what's the difference, right? <laughs> we are most not, certainly man. not cutting that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No. This is, hey, this is what I was really hoping for. <laughs> yes. Introducing a little chaos into the otherwise finely orchestrated symphony that is black and gold BS. It, it, no. it definitely was a symphony. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like a coffee of fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, man. look, if you want like really polished Saints takes and statistical analysis, well, you're out of luck because there really aren't any podcasts that do that. But, uh, you know, you come here. <laughs> if to you want some fun and entertaining, yeah. right? But, you know. No. Okay, we should get out of here. I'm deliriously hungry and my bladder is full. Go eat. Okay. So, and yeah. Sean, do you want to? Yes. Does anybody want to add lib a Maker's Mark ad read? <laughs> Sean? Sure, I'll take one. Uh, yeah, this episode of Black and Gold BS has been brought to you by Maker's Mark, a whiskey that will uh, raise a glass to uh, our fathers, the men who raised us to be these psychotic Saints fans that we are. So, uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This this maker's mark is for you. All right. This has been Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, and dare I say the best Saints podcast that uh, nobody it listens is now. to. <laughs> uh, for Sean Haspel, <laughs> Gary Krasno, John Haspel, I'm Jacob Krasno. And until next time, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat?